last Sunday, you probably have heard Pastor Gilbert sharing about these five different visions that we're trying to to follow as a church community together. And over the next five months, we'll be preaching um, to focus on each of these five different visions. And for the first month, we'll be particularly looking at the idea of outreach. How do we go about to live out outreach? What does it mean to be a kingdom-focused church? And as Guan alluded earlier, that uh, there is a verse associated to each of the themes that we're trying to share. And for the vision of outreach, it was from Acts 28, verse 31, about the idea of proclaiming the kingdom of God um, with all boldness and without hindrance. So there is something about preaching this word of God that we have to do boldly and there is no sense of holding back as we preach out the word. And so as we think about what does that mean and as I was reflecting on how we can preach the word of God to live out the gospel in boldness and without hindrance. It makes me start wondering what are the things we have already been doing as a community? How have we lived out this life? And and a lot of times when we think about outreach, we are very conditioned into thinking about what kind of programs do we do as a church? What events do we do as a church when we try and reach out to our friends, our neighbors, our family? But when we look in the story of Jesus and the gospel, it's not all so much just the events itself. It's not about bringing people into the church building. That, that's not the be-all and the end-all of living out the gospel and sharing the gospel to other people. Nor is it just the idea of, okay, so have you heard of Jesus and would you like to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior? It's essential, but it's not the only way or the only step we take in order to reach out to others. And so what does that outreach idea mean when we're hearing from Jesus as to what outreach is? And so I think one word that kind of helped me focus on the idea of outreach is this word called stay. And it's actually an acronym. And so last time I was looking up all these new internet words and I got grilled that I was using a non-academic reference. I was using Urban Dictionary. So this time I did my homework. I actually went to Oxford Dictionary to figure out what the word they means. And according to them, it's a person's boyfriend or girlfriend, often as a form of address. So, for example, I'm going to see my bae. Or, they just made me tacos. So, 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 so it's kind of like the idea of baby. But another definition that they is, is an actual abbreviation for the word before anyone else. So, they before anyone else. And so, this is just a little bit of a precursor as to the idea that Jesus was teaching us when we think about outreach. Just keep that in mind, the, the idea of before anyone else. So, why am I saying all this? So today we're looking at the story of 
the Samaritan, the parable of the Samaritan that Jesus taught in the book of Luke. And for those who have never heard of the story, so a very brief summary. So there's Jesus. And Jesus encountered this teacher of the law. And the teacher of the law was asking Jesus a bunch of questions. And at the same time, he's trying to troll Jesus, to put him in the spot, to, to trap Jesus, where, 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 where by Jesus answering in a certain way, it will make Jesus look inadequate or, or, or not as good as he, he, was, he was being told about to be. So, so throughout that whole conversation, they, they, they start asking about how do we get into... Uh, to receive eternal life. And, and Jesus answered, and the teacher of the law started asking then, how do we live that out? And what does it mean to love your neighbor? And so that's where the story of the Samaritan came in. So, first of all, when the teacher asked Jesus, how does one inherit eternal life? Jesus Told them, told, told this person to, to follow the law. And the law, as the Jews at that time understood, was based on two major things to love your God with all your heart, your might, your soul, uh, all, all your soul, and all your strength. And the other one is to love your neighbor as yourself. So, the first part, all Jewish person knows, because when they're a kid, they're already taught, they're already taught about a prayer that entails the idea of to remind themselves to love God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second part is found in Leviticus chapter 19. And Leviticus 19 goes on to a whole list of different rules and laws and instructions as to how you shall live out the spirit of loving God and loving others. And so for this teacher of the law, he has heard this ever since he was a kid and he was memorizing it and trying to act out these or, or, or keeping himself from breaking these rules that the, the book of Leviticus has already taught him. And so, as a result, he got a little cheeky and just have the idea when, you, you know, as teachers, you have that really smart kid in the class who thinks they know everything. And so they would try to challenge the teachers, like, trying to make a statement that, that he actually knows these things, that you're just wasting time. And he, he was asking Jesus, who is my neighbor? And he has his answer already, but he's trying to make Jesus answer it in a way that he can go and be like, I already know this, and I'm already doing this, so what new are you trying to teach me? And in the Jewish tradition, it's rarely that a teacher, student would go up to a teacher and ask questions like these. So clearly, he does not want to show any respect for Jesus, and he's trying to challenge this notion that Jesus know, knows the answer to how to get to eternal life. And so, Jesus already knew, knowing this guy's intention, is trying to, in a subtle but very gracious way to, to show this guy that he is asking the wrong question. He's really missing the mark as to what they're trying to get at. He's trying to tell this guy that 
you have been looking at the wrong things this whole time. The law is an important, but it's the spirit of the law behind it that matters when we talk about loving your neighbor and loving God. And so throughout this whole story of the Samaritan, Jesus is trying to show the idea that when you love your neighbor, it's not so much about loving someone that you want to love and it's not about just doing some nice things to this person in order to, to, to show them how much you love them. But rather, as we look into the story, loving your neighbor involves taking risks, involves sacrifices. And if we look in the story of the Samaritan, there's actually a lot of things that are between the lines that we would not understand as someone living in the 21st century without that cultural understanding. So the story goes that there's this man who was on his way on the road to Jericho and he was being robbed by robbers and got beaten up and stripped clean. And at first you were like, well, he just got robbed. But if you know what's happening, the person who is going to Jericho is probably asking for some sort of cleansing, that he sees something inadequate. So there's some sin that he probably committed that he needs to find consolation in. And in the same time, at that culture, at that age and time, when robbers try to rob people on the road, they rarely beat up or, or try to make a scene because all they want is to get the goods and, and the money and then they can run away and they can get away and if you cooperate then you just give up all your things and they'll let you go. The fact that he got beaten up almost to death almost suggests that this guy did not know any better and tried to fight a bunch of robbers and so this guy got beaten up really badly. So, so this is the context of what the other three people that encountered this person was getting into. So first of all, you know, in the story, a priest walked by and saw this man naked, beaten up, lying on the ground. And so as a Jewish priest, you know that you have an obligation to assist the poor and the needy. But in the same time, because there's no way of identifying this man. The priest has no clue where this guy is Jewish or not. So already, this priest is already trying to calculate and think, okay, is this someone that I actually have an obligation to, to help or is this just another random foreigner that I, I'm not obligated to help? And in the same time, according to the custom, if he were to help someone and he was bleeding and he was unclean and he actually touched and helped this person. He would have to go through ritual cleansing for two weeks, which means that he's not able to work his priestly duties and he's not able to receive offering. He's not able to receive things that people offer to, to his temple or wherever he was residing. So his own well-being and his own livelihood is at stake if he were to help this person. And so without wanting to risk these good things, he decided, you know what, chances are he's just some random dude. I don't have to help. 
and Antiscuri walked away. Then after that, the story says that a Levite came in and saw all this, and he also walked away. So what went on in this Levite's mind? So for, for a Levite, when, uh, when chances are he saw what the priest did, and he knows that person's a priest, and he walked away. So the Levite might ask, who am I to do something that a priest is supposed to do if the priest is not doing it? I'm just going to be challenging the whole institution of how we're supposed to act, how we're supposed to live out. And so let's stay out of trouble and, and not stir any issues here. If the priest doesn't do it, I'm just not going to do it either. And so he walked away. And so here comes the climax of the whole story. So as you know, a Samaritan walked by, saw this man. And the moment he saw this man, he showed compassion. And so he went to the person, see how he's doing, and he poured oil and wine to treat this person's wounds. And so at that time, wine and oil are not cheap things. He has to give up whatever valuable possessions he has in order to, to treat this person's wounds. And not only that, he carried this, he carried this person and took him to a nearby town. And as we know, at the geographical location, the closest town that, that was around that area is going to be a Jewish town. And for a Samaritan who is seen as an outcast and an enemy of Jews, to take a beaten Jewish man into a town that is lived by a bunch of Jews. Can you imagine like what kind of misunderstanding that can cause? Imagine in today's terms and without sounding racist. So let's say in America, a black person saw a white guy being beaten up, badly wounded in some, some town like Brooklyn, and decides to take this person to a hospital in Manhattan. Can you imagine what the white people would think when this guy brings this white person? They would think that this black person probably was the one responsible for beating him up. And, and causing all that harm. And in the same way, that's what happens when the Samaritan person brought this Jewish person into this inn, not only to help him, but to also pay and offer to come back to pay for this guy's wages, or, or this guy's um, cost of living in the inn. How would other people around him would receive this? How would he be safe walking out of this town if something like this were to happen? So this is how significant the idea of a Samaritan helping this Jewish person is when the people at that time listened to that story. And so loving your neighbor, according to Jesus' story, is not as easy as doing something that's nice or just Picking and choosing some, someone that, that, that is easy to love, but there are certain risks involved. But more than that, the idea of neighboring, it, it, it's just the idea of, it, it's not about programs, it's not the, uh, the idea about having some great, 
strategies or a 10-step guide to, to bring people into the church. If you look through the whole story of Luke, neighboring is simply the idea of having a divine appointment and a volition to respond to this divine appointment. Neighboring is when you have a divine appointment and when you answer to this appointment. It sounds like a bunch of fancy terms, but all that it means is God would put you into an encounter with some person that you might only see once or you might lift next to them or sit next to them. And whether you choose to be their neighbor or you choose to shy away from this opportunity is your call. And for me, I have all sorts of random neighboring encounters before. There are those that I shied away and I regret, and there are those where God was using to, to show me what it's like to love your neighbor. And so one of these stories I wanted to share was a time when I was in, well, just walking around in downtown Eastside. So I was waiting to have dinner with a friend who, who somehow ended up being my girlfriend. I don't know how that happened. But, uh, so I was just walking in downtown because there's like an hour before dinner. I had nothing to do. So I was just walking. And as I walked to the restaurant, I saw this guy sitting on the ground just doodling, just doodling without talking to anyone. And after a while, he, was stu- he, he stood up and he started asking people around him. He was asking if someone can spare him a dollar and, and, and he, would give him, uh, he would give them a, a drawing and, 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 and give him a dollar for, for his drawing because he's really hungry, has no money, and he wants food. And so he would try to earn his way to buy food. And so I, I was trying to stay out of business. I was just waiting for the restaurant to open. And people walked by, at least five, six people were approached by this guy and he was like, no. They didn't even talk to them, a lot of them. They just ignore him. And after a while, something was moving in my heart. I I felt that the spirit was telling me, I need to talk to this guy. I need to see what's going on. And so I knelt down where he was sitting and started chatting with him. I was like, oh, hey, what's up? Like, why are you sitting here? Why are you doing? What are you working on? And starts chatting, talk about his stories and and he said he's trying to draw, uh, draw a boat that he has seen before. And, and as you see, this is the, one, the, the, the drawing that he, he drew. And, 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 and I got to hear about his stories. Uh, he was living in a lot of social housing nearby. And he tried to work, but then it didn't work out. And, and so he's going through some rough time. And, and so, so something was compelling me. And... I, 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 I'm not bragging, nor am I rich, but something really moved me. And so I decided to give him $20 and be like, here's $20, and I want to buy your painting. It looks really good. And he was really surprised that someone would pay $20 to buy his painting or a drawing. And so, so I started chatting with him, and he gave me this. And so there's something special. Like I didn't share the gospel at that time. I didn't talk about Jesus at that time, but I think something has changed, that he sees something 
that maybe he has not seen from other people because his, his face was glowing. And, and something I can sense was like, he was very passionate and he was still drawing. He said he's not done yet. So, so, so he said, I'll keep drawing and are you going to that restaurant? And I'm like, yeah. And so just keep eating and I'll wave at you when I'm done and you come out and get the, pink, uh, get the drawing. So I was just eating dinner and he waved me. I went back out and he gave me this. And, and so he never ran off with my money without anything. He actually kept his promise and all that. And so, long story short, it was, it was just a really random encounter. And who knows what happened to this person. But that's what outreach is about sometimes. That maybe you do something really insignificant. But that maybe that's what all God wants you to do at that time. And all you have to do is answering that call that God has given you. So neighboring is about divine appointments and the volition to answer that call. But in the same time also, the word neighbor in Greek is actually not a noun originally. It's actually uh, a word that is created out of the verb to be near, to be near somebody. And so is to be to, to, to talk about neighboring requires some sort of an action to be near, to, to actually go to somebody, to be associated with somebody. And I think this is what Jesus is trying to change this notion that this teacher of the law is trying to make, that it's not so much about finding, or it's not so much about asking who this neighbor that he's supposed to love, but rather you're supposed to go out and be the neighbor, to actively seize these different appointments and to be people's friends, to be people's carers, and to just give a glimpse of what the kingdom is like through your actions and through your statues. And of course, this means that sometimes you have to do this before anyone else would do it. To be a neighbor sometimes means that you do something that no one else would do. You, you, you talk to the people that no one else would talk to. You engage in action that some people would otherwise refuse to do. And so to end off, I just want to share this story that I saw at, uh, at Ralph's Facebook feed the other day. And just a little disclaimer there is a few bad words in, in, in these pictures, but they're meant for illustration purposes only. So please don't take it to heart. So, so the story goes that there's this comedian, female comedian called Silver Ceremony. And there was a story where one random day, uh, some person online just decided to troll Sarah Silverman and, and, and swear at her Twitter account just to see how she would react and see if she would act up and and try to put up this whole like I'm a celebrity and who am who are you to talk to me like this kind of vibe. But so the story goes that this random person just swore on her on her on her account. So as a celebrity, there are many ways she can approach this, and some not so good, and some she can just brush it off and be like any other, pretending to be virtuous celebrity. But she actually took the time. And according to her, 
she went through this person's account just to see where he's coming from. Why is he randomly trying to do this malicious thing towards her? And she realized that there's something deep in her heart feeling that she, he, he is troubled, that there is something emotionally going on in his life, that she wants to care for this person. And so, and so he realized, she realized that he's going through some back pain and he's really frustrated with life and trying to care for this person. And, and so, so he, she responds nicely to him. And so this guy reciprocated that. He said he can't love back. He can't love because he was being molested before when he was a kid. And so everything is messed up because of this whole incident. And he couldn't live life like anybody else. And so Sarah continued on and tried to encourage this person and said um, to, 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 to be assuring him that she loves, her as a, loves him as a person, that don't give up and carry on, and there will be help if you were looking for this help. And even at the end, he, she went and contacted other back clinics and different chiropractors in, in where this person lives and tried to see if someone can actually help. And to, to no one, nobody's surprise, because she's a celebrity, that all these clinics actually replied her and said they are already in contact with this person trying to help, help him and set up appointments to address her, uh, his issue. And, and so this person was really touched and was saying how like he never meant to do all these, that he, he actually find her funny, but just emotionally he's going through all that and, and asked for apology and Sarah was just being very gracious and brushed it off and said, don't worry about it. And I think sometimes that's what neighboring is about, right? We are sometimes put in this position where we can do something really bad, we can ignore something, Sometimes Jesus says we can just sometimes lose some faith and do something that we might not otherwise do if we were not being first loved by this God that has saved our own lives. And so in the end, Jesus told this person that you have heard all this. You have seen how it's like. So there's no other thing I can teach you but just go and do likewise. And sometimes that's what, that's what our wish is. Don't have to think about how elaborate, don't think about how unworthy or how unprepared you might be. Just go and do likewise. Just respond to the call that God has given you. Go out and love people that you just happen to encounter. Just say something nice, something out of your heart, to, to care just the way that you want to be loved, just as the, the great commandment said to love your neighbor as yourself. And if you are afraid, and if you're worried, you, you don't feel like you can do it with all boldness and without hindrance. The good news is, that's what the Lord's Supper is about. As we're going to have the Lord's Supper, Back in the tradition of the church, it's not so much just the receiving of the cup and the bread. There's also an action as you partake it. It's almost like a breathing that to remind us that God is with us. That even when we're afraid, even when we feel like there's inconveniences, that God has sent us. Just as we've come together, we're also being sent out. 
to go and love the world around us. So there's nothing magical, nothing strategic about outreach. Just go and do likewise.